Welcome to the Think Christian Podcast. Josh Larson here with a quick note about this episode. We recently held the winter session of the TC Movie Club, and we wanted to share the audio from our online gathering with you here. With the Oscars just around the corner, Sunday, March 12 is when that's going to take place, we had a robust discussion about the 10 Best Picture nominees. We talked Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Banshees of Anna Sharon, and more. As always, it was a good conversation, so I think you'll enjoy listening in. I've also got a new video essay up on the Think Christian YouTube channel where I pose four faith questions about the Best Picture nominees. We reference that video in our discussion. If you want to watch it, just search for Think Christian on YouTube. Now, if you're not a member of the TC Movie Club and would like to join so you can be a part of future gatherings, you can do so at thinkchristian.net slash movieclub. This way, you can also help us decide what the topic should be for our spring session. A poll will be going out to movie club members soon. So again, that's thinkchristian.net slash movieclub. We'll return with regular episodes of the podcast in the next week or so. We have some superhero talk ahead centered around Joe George's new book, The Superpowers and the Glory. But for now, enjoy our TC Movie Club discussion of the 2023 Best Picture nominees. Well, welcome to the Think Christian Movie Club. I'm Josh Larson, editor at thinkchristian.net, and it's been my pleasure to host, I think, six of these now we've done as a group. Uh, cover the Coen brothers, and then we've been jumping around a little bit more since then with um, one-off topics. And this time for our winter 2023 session, we're going to talk about the 10 Best Picture nominees at the Oscars, which are just a couple of weeks away here. Um, as you saw, if you watched my video essay on the Think Christian YouTube channel, I grouped these nominees under four faith questions. And I have to give uh, Sarah Welch Larson, uh, Think Christian contributor, credit for this idea. I was talking to her about how am I going to do this? Ten, you know, ten movies in a video essay, and I didn't want it to be like an hour long. And she thought, well, maybe there's some thematic groupings you can do. And um, yeah, using one idea that Zachary Lee wrote about at Think Christian with a couple of these movies kind of gave me a head start on that. And so that's what I did. We are not going to have to restrict our conversation to these four faith questions that I brought up in relation to the Best Picture nominees, but I thought it might give us a place to start. And so quickly here, just want to remind you of what those were, or maybe you didn't get a chance to watch the video. It might give us some context as well for our conversation and then a few avenues we can go down. So the first grouping, three films, Tar, The Banshees of Inisherin, and The Fablemans. The question there was, what spiritual price are we willing to pay for great art? So the costs and the art all differs a little bit in each of those films, but I think um, we can consider that one question does apply to all three. Next grouping, another group of three here, Elvis. Everything Everywhere All at Once and Triangle of Sadness. This one, I was looking at um, the search for identity that the characters take or make in all three of those movies. And I thought a good question we could dig into theologically might be, where should we look to find our sense of self? Uh, another question relates to Avatar, The Way of Water, and All Quiet on the Western Front. Two films, I grouped them as war films, described them both as war films, very different kind of war films, but I think that applies. And yet films that also amidst the devastation have glimpses of beauty in them. 
so the question I asked there is, why does humanity insist on paradise lost? Then our fourth question I apply to two very different movies, Top Gun Maverick and Women Talking. But within both of those films, more so within Women Talking, but I think it is also a crucial element in terms of the character development going on in Top Gun Maverick is this idea of forgiveness um, for wrongs that have been done and the question of when should forgiveness be given. So just a few questions there to consider. As I said, feel free to bring up any other thoughts you might have about any of these nominees during our open discussion. I'm happy to go in whatever direction you guys want to go. That's why we're here. Um. But as we get started here, I want to introduce my co-host for this session and welcome Rosalyn Hernandez. Welcome, Rosalyn. Hey, hi, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It is really good to have you. Rosalyn began writing for us. Well, you began writing for us at Think Christian uh, way back in 2015 and then took a break. But recently, late last year, you've been busier with us. Um, I think in 2015, it was for our Theology of Star Wars ebook, right? Uh, you were a student at Theological Fuller Theological Seminary at the time. And then, yeah, we did reconnect late last year. You've been on the website with a couple of articles. And you've been on the TC podcast, which was a lot of fun. And currently you are on staff at the Fuller Youth Institute. Can you say just a word about your work there for folks? Yeah, so I am the diversity, equity, and inclusion manager and content producer at the Fuller Youth Institute. And that means you know, there's a lot of internal and external ways that we drive diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and so we're figuring that out with our team as we as we go along. Um, it's a journey that we started um, several years back. I'm not the person that started this, um, but it's something that's very uh, dear and close to my heart and um, not just in organizations, but also in ministry. And then I also help produce content for the Fuller Youth Institute, which um, the primary content that I'm producing is actually the podcast that we have at the Fuller Youth Institute, which is the FYI on Youth Ministry. Um, and I am sometimes a co-host on that podcast as well. So if you want to check it out, you can uh, look it up. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it's good work. So thank you for that. And thanks again for being here today. Can you get us started here? Um, well, give me a little background, actually. Before we get into the Best Picture nominees, talk to me about your relationship with the Oscars in general. Are they a are they a big deal for you? Do you not take them that seriously? Do you watch every year? I'm always curious to hear how much value people place on the Oscars um, as kind of a measure of the move of a movie's worth. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I my relationship with the Oscars has changed over the years. When I was a student, um, actually, I in undergrad I studied film and media studies, and so. Um, you know, I learned to be really aware of and plays a lot of value on the Oscars and um, the the pictures that were nominated. I think as I've learned more about the Oscars and just the Hollywood industry, there's been less, um, I don't know if there's less value. I think I still want to be aware of the films that are nominated, um, but I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's been such a history of racial discrimination and not just by the Oscars, you know, it was something that happened a couple of years ago was like the Oscar so white hashtag that was happening. And, um, you know, in Hollywood, the casting and um, stories that are told, you know, there's needs to be more diversity. And that's something that um, one of the things that 
give me hesitation to place so much value on the Oscars. And then just this year, the controversy with to Leslie and the actress that was nominated is also something that makes me wonder how fair or how regulated things are. Mm. Yeah, that's all fair uh, to, to question. I've had a similar journey. You know, when I was a little kid, I thought, well, this is what determines the best movies, right? You just you just think it's the stamp of approval and then you learn more and you see other movies too that were ignored by the Oscars and a grain of salt is a good way to take it, I think. But they can still be fun. I still, you know, watch them every year and at the end of the day I kind of look for the silver linings where movies that might not have gotten attention will because they get some Oscar love, even if it's just a nomination, um whether it's an actor um, you know, like Paul Mescal was in my favorite um, film from last year, After Sun, and he's nominated now for Best Actor. And so I look at that as like, well, here's you know a way for that tiny, tiny movie to get some more attention. So I try to look at it that way, that way, while also being realistic and realizing the change that's needed too in a lot of the ways you talked about. I mean, I think we've seen the Academy open up its voter ranks a bit in recent years in response to Oscars So White. We can debate whether that's really resulted in enough diversity. I think there's been some changes, but maybe not enough in that direction. Um, and then there's always the politicking that goes on, the business side that you know we don't know everything about, but when a controversy like the Two Leslie uh, nomination comes up, you start to realize how much politicking and campaigning does go on in the background. So yeah, grain of salt is a good way to think about it, I would say, and still be able to you know enjoy it and participate in it as a, a pretty significant cultural event. So let's go back to um, the Best Picture nominees from this year and maybe those four faith questions I posed, Rosalind. And is there one of those that that you would like to maybe touch on here just to get our conversation started? Yeah, I think I'll talk about just the one that was the greatest impact. And I'm, everything everywhere is so close to this, but women talking was just a punch in the gut mm. for me watching it. Um, it was heartbreaking and it was beautiful. There's, it's so theologically rich. Um, there was hope and there was, uh, you know, like grief, there was lament. Um, there was just so much in women talking that I'm still trying to think about and figure out and just go back to. Um, but yeah, that was one of the ones that I really appreciated, particularly um, the character of Salome, hmm. who was a very strong, angry character. And yet she was so um, held by the women that were with her. And they all held each other so well. So it was just like this beautiful way of seeing like really tough issues and this really hard conversation take place. Yeah. It's incredibly dense. I only watched it once and each of those conversations are tackling so many things. So you're right. I, I can see, you know, you need time to sit with it. And there are also debates we're witnessing too, right? So you can find yourself siding with one character and then, you know, taking maybe the position of another character within the same scene. Um, did you find it helpful at all in terms of thinking about forgiveness and you know especially within a christian context and what that means which i think can sometimes be different than the wider cultural 
notion of forgiveness. I think sometimes Christian forgiveness itself is misunderstood by the wider culture where it, it seems as, you know, that it's a sweeping something under the rug act rather than genuine forgiveness. And I do think that's one of the, thing, the things these women were debating is, are we, what sort of forgiveness are we talking about? Is it cheap forgiveness? that we're proposing here. Is forgiveness even possible? I mean, I think that's one of the top things that I wrestled with in watching that movie. Like you almost are like, you, you feel so badly for them and what they've suffered. You want to say, you don't need to worry about this. Just get out, just, you know, but there are women there who are deeply faithful, even though they may have experienced, you know, a form of religion that we would call abusive, they still feel deeply faithful. And so they're wrestling with that. So I'm just curious, if you found the movie helpful in those terms about forgiveness, or was it just kind of, as you said, bringing up all these ideas and making you wrestle with them more than anything else? I found it helpful. And I've actually been thinking about forgiveness quite a bit. The season that I'm working on the FYI podcast, it actually has an episode on forgiveness. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's been something that's been on my mind, but it's something that I think that this film touches on that is part of forgiveness that I, feel like it's one of those things that gets pushed under the rug, as you mentioned, is the aspect of truth-telling and forgiveness. Mm. And these women did it. They, they held that truth-telling aspect, even though it was hard. Not, they didn't just do it at the moment of accusing the men that abused them, but they, this whole conversation was like digging for truth, mm. you know? And so, yeah, so I think about that. It, it, it brings another layer into how I think about forgiveness and how even if you forgive, it's still going to hurt sometimes. Mm -hmm. Forgiving doesn't mean that it stops being painful. And forgiveness is a process. It's a painful process. And forgiveness, even if you forgive someone, it might not mean that you end up like holding hands and like back at the, you know, the situation that you were in, um, especially if you don't know how the other person is reacting or how they're processing or whether they even asked for forgiveness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it brought a lot of different aspects for me about the process of forgiveness. Yeah, the, I think the Christian understanding of reconciliation can sometimes be conflated with forgiveness when, as you're saying, those can be two distinct things. And in some cases, um, the forgiveness is given um, to provide some movement forward for yourself, but that might not mean reconciliation with the other person. And that's something that might not, you know, is out of our hands in a way, you know, that reconciliation might not come. Um, until, you know, new heaven and new earth. That's when the full reconciliation is, and that might be the reality in some situations. Um, so women talking, uh, I love that you started with that one because I was afraid it wasn't going to get any attention today. And here we've given it a lot. It was the surprise best picture nominee for me. Um, and uh, I don't know, just a raising of hands for those of you who have your camera on, how many of you have seen women talking who are here today? All right. Good. So about five or six of you. So yeah, that's that's encouraging. And this is an example of silver lining, right? A very small film directed by Sarah Polly that otherwise um, even less people would have seen without this nomination. So let's go ahead and open it, it open things up to uh, the rest of you here. And we could continue talking about 
um, you know, women talking or uh, forgiveness, or we can go in another direction. I see Isabel is ready to go here. So let's start with you, Isabel. Good to see you today. Hi. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad we're starting with women talking too, because I was worried it was going to get a lot of attention as well. Um, I have seen the film twice now, and um, in between viewings, I also read the book, which is fantastic. Um, and to talk about, go back to talking about um, forgiveness as a process, I think there's a really great moment in the movie and in the book um, when Mayal, one of the characters, um, has a panic attack and another woman, um, I believe it's Mary Kay, she is like, well, why are you drawing so much attention to yourself? We're all victims. Why do you have to be so basically like dramatic about it? And um, I think, I don't know if this exact part was in the movie, but in the book, um, Salome is actually the one who says, you know, like we are all victims, true, but we all you know, deal with this in a different way and each way is appropriate. And um, it's interesting that Salome is the one who says that because she is the one, in my view, that struggles the most with the decision to leave um, because she thinks that is like giving up and giving the men more power. And she doesn't want to do that because she is so, she has so much anger towards them for doing this and especially since it also happened to her three-year-old or four-year-old daughter but i love the part when ona who's the character played by rooney mara um where she says true forgiveness can't be forced so when the men are saying you have to forgive us or we're going to kick you out that's not the moment when they should say oh, okay well then we forgive you so we can stay she says we should leave and still try to work towards that forgiveness for them not not for the men but for us like for our own souls there's also the part when they talk about like what about our sons what about the men that we do love and who haven't wronged us what it i mean to leave them behind is also to let their own souls their like perish because they are going to be you know yeah. indoctrinated into that same belief system that the rapists have that women don't matter and their thoughts don't matter so i just really loved that part and it shows their like how the strength of their faith that the um when salome is like you know, I will become a murderer if I stay. And so it becomes, you know, important for them to leave so that they don't let their souls perish. And I just thought that was so profound and beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. That You mentioned the, you know, the boys and there's that incredible sequence very small where it's almost like a poem off to the side about how to think about our young men and um you know before they are indoctrinated in a way to become monsters and that was one of the loveliest little interludes in that movie i mean i'll be honest this was a movie i did sort of struggle with a little bit with the uh, you know there was so much dialogue and conversation and i i know that that was the point to be 
in the barn with these women and make us confront these issues. But when we would get out for a little bit of, um, you know, filmmaking and that sequence does that, um, I thought it was incre incredibly sad, but also hopeful in its own way that they were thinking about this next generation and the boys too. So thanks, Isabel. Um, does anyone else want to um, jump in after that or take us in another direction? Maybe Zachary, I, I see there's been some stuff in the chat. This might be a good moment um, to check in with you. Yeah, no, I think it was when at the earlier start, Ross, and we were talking about uh, Oscar's grain of salt. I think that struck a chord with a lot of people who were looking at how it was very kind of, there's a lot of politics that goes into it. And then yep. I think, yeah, the conversation about forgiveness, I think just great points being made from people about how, unless there's a shared understanding of what really happened and the truth that's there, forgiveness is really, is, is impossible to really do. So that's why truth telling is, is so key and so important. So I feel like there's, yeah, lots of great content around women talking that's coming out. Nice. Thanks. Um, Let's go to um, Andy and uh, let's hear what uh, you want to add, Andy. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, most of um, the forgiveness question was mainly uh, what I got around to kind of thinking about and um, sort of women talking definitely uh, struck me as the film that was like, I think there are a lot of the other films. It's like the situations are easier to forgive, I think in, Top Gun Maverick, you know, it's probably most interesting in my view to look at it as um, his sort of uh, battle to forgive himself. Because I think there's a question, like I find it pretty easy to forgive that character uh, as a viewer. And I think that it's sort of questionable like to what extent he was to blame. Um, but in Women Talking, I think it's like really profoundly um, just like a horrific uh, assault on these women. And it's really like, it's something a lot of people would say is unforgivable and it's, uh, you know, would feel indecent trying to like argue too much with that. Um, I think uh, I was really struck with and admired the humanity of the women in the film. And just like all the different, you know, there's resentment and anger, but there's also a lot of charity. Um, a lot of them, I remember when Ona was talking about the ways the men are kind of part of this system and victimized and what a capacity for uh, empathy that reflects. Um, I also think there's just a lot of like wonderful quotes and takeaways from it. I think of the line where they're saying something like forgiveness isn't permission. Um, and I also agree with you about the way that reconciliation becomes conflated with uh, forgiveness. Um, there's a book that recently came out by Matthew Ichihashi Potts called Forgiveness, an Alternative Account. I've only read the first chapter of it, but his central argument is that the only thing forgiveness really requires in a Christian sense is a promise to forego retaliatory violence, hmm. which is something that really resonates with me, but in my own privileged life it's something that's kind of abstract like I don't have a lot of opportunities where I'm like sort of pressured into like putting that to the test um, but in this film you know it's it could be argued according to that definition that they do sort of forgive in a sense by not staying and fighting which uh, is sort of retaliatory violence was you know on the table it was yeah. an option yeah. that they were considering um, and I 
I love the scene that uh, Isabel mentioned uh, with Claire Foy's character when she's saying, you know, I will commit murder if we stay um, and is convinced to leave. So I don't know. I thought it was really profound in that sense um, and to think about what forgiveness means. Thanks, Andy. Do you, do you mind dropping the title of that book um, in the chat for folks who might be interested? That would be great. Thank you. So, um, yeah, good stuff about women talking. I love it. My expectation was we'd be doing a lot of talking about the Banshees of Inisherin on this uh, on this gathering. Does anyone have something um, either on that film or another film? So we hit a couple more titles here in, in the second half of our time together. Are we all such women talking fans? That's That's just the only thing we want to cover. Has her hand up. Oh, did I miss you, Amber? That's okay. There's a lot of people on this screen. Can can you hear me? I hear a little background stuff as well. So I'm in a coffee, a very lively coffee shop. <laughs> oh, it sounds like it. Okay. It was Alanis Alanis Morissette being very angry earlier. So good thing it's not that anymore. But um, I'm wondering what you all think about like what do we do in this topic of forgiveness? and Christian forgiveness, which is brought up so beautifully in Women Talking, with a theology of the cross in which forgiveness of all human wrongdoing, even the most horrific, is complete in Christ. While at the same time, humans have a process to go through. But I also wonder if there's not a place for retaliation. Is there, where is there a place for repayment or even punishment? Humans, even being forgiven, receiving punishment, what, where do we, and the reason I bring this up is because when it comes to forgiveness, I was thinking a lot about the movie Tar in relation to forgiveness um, because I was seeing, you know, what happens at the end to Lydia Tar, this humiliation that she goes through. I was thinking it as a kind of purgatory for her and a potential for her redemption and not simply a kind of personal hell, because what's interesting is you see her actually submitting to it. I mean, she, you gotta, you know, you gotta feed yourself, you gotta make money, you've gotta survive. But you could also see her as entering a new phase of life in which she enters a kind of punishment so that she can maybe possibly enter some kind of forgiveness. And, and her comeuppance leads her to come up against what she's done and maybe mm. forgive and be forgiven somehow. Yeah. Uh, I'm also, I was, I was very hopeful for Lydia Tarr because actually I'm just going to admit I, I identified with her somewhat. Um, and I wanted to bring Tar Tar to the fore in this conversation yeah. too. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm glad you did um, mention Tar. That's uh that's a great connection, and I think I can see that reading of the end as well. Definitely, there's that moment where she goes to, th she thinks she's getting a massage, and she ends up being brought to a brothel, and that's sort of the, um, you know, the 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 awareness there comes to the forefront. What she might have been denying about herself, she didn't realize until then. Is kind of how I read it, and then we get the final scene which partly I didn't like because I felt like it was too jokey on a joke on her. And I'm, I'm with you, Amber. Like I was sort of, you know, 
more invested in her than to have her story end in a joke like that. But I think it can work in the way you're describing. It might have been a step in her journey. So so I like that thinking. And then the other thing you were bringing up earlier is, you know, punishment. Another word we can think of is justice. Like in this whole process of forgiveness, reconciliation, maybe before forgiveness still needs to come justice. And I think that's one of the thing in women talking, they're debating, right? Is um, how do we attain justice for what we've, what's been done to us? And then maybe we can talk about forgiveness. But yeah, let's let's go back to Tar. Um, we could stick with this forgiveness question, this purgatory question, or just debate the ending. Because I know there are some people who really love that ending. Um, uh, does anyone have any, anyone want to jump in as far as Tar goes? Yeah, let's uh, go ahead, Eric. Well, I, I'm trying to track with, with Amber here because I think there's that question. I think maybe the thing with Tar is how satisfied you are with the ending comes to the question of like whether you see that as justice, right? Like, you know, if you want, and I don't know, I was really conflicted by Tar. I, I mean, I loved it. It was uh, you know, a fascinating movie. But at the end of the day, right, I think, I'm on both sides, right? Because I'm kind of like, I, I do want her to be redeemed. I do see everyone as redeemable, even somebody as problematic as Lydia Tarr. But on the flip side, there is a sense of like, oh, this this is justice being served. Awful. I'm sorry. That was probably borderline really awful. It was awful what she was going through. Like, absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible. Nobody deserves to be used that way like she was at the end of the movie. That being said, she was an awful, awful person. Um, and there, there is a sense of kind of balance and comeuppance um, that is happening there. And I mean, to your question, Amber, at the beginning, which I'm really wrestling with, is like as people who try to center the cross, right? And we say, okay, there's Jesus. He is both a symbol of what reconciliation looks like and is actually, I believe, ontologically actually reconciling the world unto himself like that's i i struggle with right like is i don't know i i both want justice which justice turns a blind eye to some to some extent of the evil that is done oh wait no reconciliation um forgiveness turns a blind eye to the evil that is done justice does not and i see both of them in the person of jesus and yeah and and tar gets me to wrestle with that yeah all of them do anyway i'll be quiet and let someone else be no, thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. Uh, Andy, did you want to jump back in? Yeah, thank you so much. I, I wrote my comments out sort of just as this huge block and then wasn't sure how they'd come in. But uh, so, yeah, I think Tar, um, I agree with Amber. I, I sort of did identify with her in certain ways, and I thought it did a great job of making a character whose humanity is kind of there um but who's also very flawed and does some some very bad things um and i think thought of that in terms of the question about the spiritual price a person's willing to pay to make art but i also kind of i wanted to approach that question kind of from the inverse um because it's like so a lot of talk is about separating the art from the artist and i don't think that can ever fully be done but i also don't think the artist can fully be separated from the art like there's this episode of columbo where johnny cash is the killer and he's columbo saying like listen to that music you know anybody that can make something that beautiful you know can't be all bad and i don't know if that's totally 
true. I'd like it to be true. I think it's true in the context of this film, though, because I think the one area in which Lydia has a sense of integrity uh, is in art um, and a sort of dedication to it. Um, and as far as the ending, like, I think it, she is sort of like the butt of this kind of cruel joke in a way. But I think it shows that integrity because it's sort of earlier in the film, she says, like, you need to sublimate yourself for your art. Um, and that's exactly what she's doing at the end. She's conducting this music, video game music that she really wants nothing to you know, do with. Uh, but she's conducting it with this reverence and this gravitas, um, which is kind of, I don't know, it's like, whether a person agrees with her views on art or not, or finds, you know, certainly, you know, there's a lot of that's deplorable about her behavior, but, you know, it's, there's a consistency there with what she kind of says and what she does. So. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And I like the idea of, you know, in this case, the art itself, not being part of the issue or part of the problem, what she's actually creating. It's what is she willing to do to get there maybe, which is a little different. Uh, I thought I saw Eli um, with a hand up, but I, not sure if he's with us. So Amber, did you want to jump back in on this or is your hand just still up from before? Oops, I meant to lower my hand. Oh, okay, no problem. Just wanted to make sure we weren't overlooking you. So um, thanks. Yeah, um, Rosalind, I'll give you a, a chance to kind of jump back in if you wanted. Uh, if if um, there's nothing else to add on this, is there another film you wanted to make sure we covered today that hasn't been brought up yet? I think it, in relation to all three films that we've talked about, truth-telling really comes out for me still. It doesn't feel to me like Lydia spoke the truth about what she did. She kind of just accepted that people outed her, but she didn't come out and say that she was sorry. Um, so yeah. in terms of forgiveness, there's like a piece that's missing for me personally there. Um, and I was, I was surprised by Top Gun Maverick um, and how deep it got <laughs> but i also feel like they forgave each other but they didn't say like they didn't talk about it they just saved each other's lives and we're like okay we're good now yeah well that maybe that's like the macho element of that movie right we're, we're we have to like demonstrate this in action not in words which isn't the worst thing for a movie to handle it that way but i see what you're saying <laughs> i think uh, the other film that i was really I think it was fun for me. It was Triangle of Sadness. Really? Okay. Tell me more. It was, you know, like parts, very modern social media influencer bashing kind of thing. For sure. <laughs> but also, um, what's that book with the kids that get stranded on the island that we all had to read like in high school? Um, oh, oh, yes. Lord of the Flies. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> like a mash between the two and it was um it was so interesting to see that reversal that happens when they are in the island and abigail is the survivalist and she knows mm -hmm. how to get things you know the fire going she knows how to fish just that um confidence and the empowerment that came with that and how she just took control yeah. of the situation i'm not sure if it was the best way to do it but it was an interesting way of doing it to re reverse you know like create a matriarchy and um and just 
changed the social status of everyone because she could survive and she had knowledge and she had skills that other people didn't. Um, so I think that was one of the aspects that was really fun for me in that, in that film. Yeah. And then it inverts the power that last third, but then it becomes a question of now that she holds the power, how is she going to hold it? Right. Is, is she going to become manipulative to what is she going to do to preserve it? Yeah. That triangle of sadness was a surprise nominee for me. I did like it. Um, but that one kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Hannah, did you want to uh, jump in with something we'd already touched on or a different film? Uh, I don't want to take us away from Triangle of Sadness because I know there's a, it's a pretty rich text, but um, I actually just had some thoughts on Tar um, before sure. Rosalind jumped in. But but no, I, I was just thinking, and generally speaking, even when we were chatting earlier about forgiveness and women talking, I think it's there's an opportunity to get you know, even more crisp on how we're understanding some of these concepts. So like when we think about justice, for example, there's a difference between justice and the consequences of sin. I think, you know, technically justice for human beings, for all of us is we would be destroyed because of our sin, which makes the gospel so beautiful. Jesus's death makes it so we don't have to experience true justice in tar. I think Lydia is experiencing the consequences of her sin in the mm. end. Like she's ostracized from her communities and her family. True justice for her would be, you know, to without the gospel would be to have to suffer, not submitting her her life to Christ, like not believing in Jesus. You know, so so I think I I just kind of was mulling on that and then um and then also with women talking just thinking about like what are how do we conceptually think about forgiveness you know through a biblical lens forgiveness isn't necessarily reconciliation like forgiveness can happen even if their party who we're forgiving isn't is, isn't reciprocating like jesus being mocked and beat on the way to the cross like he asks God, the Father, to forgive those people for their sin or against him, even though they don't know that they're sinning against him or they're they're not reciprocating. Like if anything, he's being um experiencing the opposite. So, anyways, I was just thinking about like a biblical lens for some of these concepts of like forgiveness, justice, consequences of sin, and like how do we parse those things out and how are they coming to light in these movies? Even Avatar. Mm. Um when I don't remember his name, but like the human boy that kind of gets adopted, you know, he he's treated really poorly by his kind of surrogate father. I don't even know. Actually, maybe it's his real father. I don't know. I'm not crisp on it. Avatar. Um, There's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Points. Yeah, but I'm following you, though. OK, his surrogate father, adopted yep. father, he saves his life at the end of the movie, even though he didn't deserve that. Mm. Um and, and and it wasn't like a reciprocal relationship. He has mercy on him. And so, I don't know. Again, these are, I'm kind of grasping at a bunch of different things, but I just, I, I thought it'd be worth considering some like biblical definitions of like some of these concepts. Definitely. Yeah. I like the bringing the notion of consequence of sin into it. And, you know, a distinction between that and justice is what Lydia Tarr is experiencing at the end those she's victimized, those people have no awareness of that, you know, and it's 
so there there is injustice for them in that even though she may be suffering because of what she did it is as you said more of a consequence yeah go ahead Rosalind. yeah i think that also brought up for me something that i have been thinking about justice is that is god's justice punitive or is god's justice redemptive justice mm -hmm. And if we're thinking of redemptive justice, that doesn't always mean that there's a level of harm equal to the harm done or something like that. You know, like we get Jesus saying, like, you've heard it said, you know, eye for an eye, but I'm telling you, like, no, that's not what we're doing anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I was just that was something that I really I'm thankful for Hannah for bringing that up. Thank you. Christy, did you want to jump in? Yeah, just one more comment about Lydia Tarr. Um, in her getting ostracized and um, getting, is it to the Philippines where she ends up? Don't know if they ever quite in that region. I find that there's an opportunity for her to receive grace there. Now, she does not have the trappings of celebrity, of wealth, of power, these things that can can be corrupting uh but she gets to go and even though it's it's music that she would have looked down on right from her high perch from her lofty heights it's not she's not doing Mahler she's doing video game music gasp uh but she's she's doing music she's working with musicians she's um and so it may not be Mahler but but if she's willing to embrace this path she can also find grace she'll find grace and beauty there yeah so kind of away from everything else that kind of kept her kind of, she was kind of a prisoner of her own success and a prisoner of her own sin when she had all this wealth and power and success yeah thank you despite what she said about you know sublimating yourself to the music it had become less about that in her life where she was and now where she finds herself at the end she's almost forced to really live that out in a way um, that probably wasn't easy especially at the beginning where she considered maybe the music to be beneath her but um but it's forcing her to actually do that thank you christy we've got about 10 minutes left so um we can probably get to one or two more of you but zachary is there anything folks are probably keeping up with the chat more than i am so maybe this is mostly for me but is there anything um that uh, you want to make sure to bring to the front here and kind of add to the conversation yeah no i mean lots of continued great dialogue conversation encourage people if they haven't been monitoring the chat to just look at what people have been saying about forgiveness i didn't want to i know you had mentioned banshees josh and i did want to spotlight a comment that Isabel had made uh, because tying into like consequences of, of you know your sin versus justice and what that looks like and she's making that comparison with Colum and Banshees and for him a lot of the harm that comes from his depressive state him not really acknowledging that and what comes out of that versus Lydia being a little more deliberate and crafty and and curating a mm. certain outward appearance of you know, perfection and being above reproach. And then even though inwardly, it's not quite the case. So I just thought yeah. there was a, another cool way to tie those films together. That was interesting. Yeah, I like that. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, good to see you. Uh, Jonathan's written for us. Uh, it's been a while, but um, has written for us over the years and um, always is, keeps in touch with me about the movies he's keeping up with. So I'm glad you're here. And yeah, what did you want to add? 
since you mentioned we only have 10 minutes, I hate to do like a whiplash transition here, but one theme that I really resonated a lot with in several of the movies, in particular, I see this in uh, Tar and um, I definitely see it in uh, Banshees and as well in Triangle of Sadness is this idea of uh, living in community with one another and the consequences of fractured relationships and the idea that we can't really expect that a transactional understanding of how we relate to one another is going to lead to the kind of shalom or right community that uh, th that we should seek as Christians for sure, but just uh, an understanding of how God made the cosmos to function. And in Banshees in particular, I felt this very strong. And if it does win Best Picture, I think this would be the biggest thing in its favor is that what we really see kind of being studied, if you want to read it the way I did, which is as a fable of sorts, uh, this is like a cautionary tale about the idea of it doesn't really matter where the enmity begins, who is or isn't at fault for it. What it really seems to be exploring is, is how there's all this collateral damage to the community that occurs when two people choose not to get along, whether it's one person refusing to get along with the other or not. I mean, arguably the most tragic things that happen, it isn't about how many fingers uh, Gleason has left by the end of the movie. It's much more about uh, why is it that by the very end, it feels like um, Colin Farrell's character is now infected with this disease yeah. that is so different from what he began the movie with. And now Gleason seems to be almost, it's like the demon has left him and infected Colin instead. Mm -hmm. And we see this, uh, I mean, there's literally a dead body in the wake of this. There's, uh, there's a community, two pillars of the community are not getting along. And this scene inside this little island, fictional or not, is it's, it was this kind of peaceful place, this place that we would imagine being something like a paradise, and now it's paradise lost. So I think that's a really cool exploration there and i see that a lot in tar as well and also the exploration of how it's like where lydia tar ends up yes it's true that from the perspective of the uh, conservatory scene that kind of frames the beginning of the movie that feels like a big fall from grace but from the perspective of all those costume audience members who are sitting there watching her conduct this feels like paradise this yeah. feels like a real bonding experience and arguably they're a lot happier <laughs> than the people that were in the uh, concert halls of the classical world at the beginning. So I think that's a good point. Thank you. Uh, and as to Banshees, I mean, uh, collateral damage. How about poor Jenny, right? Jenny the donkey. It's it's The costs are pretty devastating, uh, as you're rightly pointing out there, uh, the fallout. I also think of the two faces of the um, at the pub. The, you know, the guy behind the bar and even the guy who's sitting there, how horrified they are by the breakdown of this friendship. Um, so I like that you're pointing out the ripple effects in the community. All right, um, Scott, we, we got a couple minutes here. If um, I saw that your hand was up, if you wanted to jump in here and um, share something just before we finish up. Oh, I was just going to uh, throw in there just the idea. Um, I like that you categorized, you know, the one category was sense of self. And I just, I thought, it was funny when everybody started talking about forgiveness, it's almost, almost all of the films could be lumped under forgiveness or justice in some way. Um, and then I started thinking about that, the sense of self and identity. I think, I think, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's just, I think that's a really broad category, but I think it, it, a lot of these films fall under that with, um, the idea of finding your sense of self, you know, even 
you know, Maverick or Avatar, you know, like there, there's this idea of, you know, who are we as humans and who, who am I as, as a person? Um, so I liked your categories, but that one, that one stuck out of me and we hadn't, we hadn't covered it. So I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Thank you. It's fun when we talk and start doing this, how we do see different connections as well. You know, I'm even thinking of Jonathan, as you were talking about Banshees and, and this isolated community, that's exactly what we have in women talking, you know, and, and they're different in some ways, but also the isolation and the rules and the, the, uh, the social roles that have been forced upon people in both of those communities, that is um, something they share in common. So we could probably keep going and keep going, but I uh, don't want to keep you all afternoon. And I thought this was a really good discussion. So thank you for joining. I'm going to, Rosalind, one more question for you, and then we'll close the poll. Um, go ahead, everyone, and vote if you haven't yet so we can see the results here. But do you have a favorite of the Best Picture nominees? I'm torn between two, women talking and everything everywhere all at once. And okay. I have not watched it eight times, but I feel like I need to. So, Zach, I'll be following your lead on that. <laughs> Definitely going to go back to it several times. All right. Well, let's see if it's still um, leading here. Yeah, I think it took the poll with 50% um, of the votes. And then Banshees. I'm glad we didn't get spend a little time on that because that's the other one that is people's favorite. Um, seven votes for that one and uh, Tyre, Avatar and Women Talking all getting votes. So are those those are mostly the ones we talked about. So we might have influenced the poll with our conversation there a little bit, but but that's OK. Um, so thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Um, I have a question that um, I'm curious moving forward if people prefer and maybe this is something I'll put out in a poll via email prefer these one off topics like this or if people would prefer to go back to a series like we did with the Coen brothers under kind of an overarching theme and explore a handful of films from one filmmaker so uh, I won't open that up here but that's I'll just plant that seed in your minds and think about that and if a poll comes out. Um, via email on that question, please do participate because just helps us plan for the future, you know, what people are most interested in and what they find most rewarding. Um, so we don't have a set topic, that is to say, um, for our next session, which will probably be in the spring. I'm thinking the gathering itself will probably be held sometime in May. So stay tuned for a poll for all that stuff. Uh, thank you, Zachary, very much for monitoring the chat again. Uh, any work? I know you've been doing a lot of work over at Sojourners. Anything you want to mention to folks before we head out? Yeah, no, just continuing. I think hopefully I have some more, more pitches coming your way, Joshua. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> so sorry to just warning in advance for inbox flooding, if that's the case. But yeah, I I look forward to it. You wrote about, I think, like three, maybe four of the best picture <laughs> nominees within the last year. So you've been busy. But yeah, hopefully we'll get you on the site again. If anyone wants to drop uh, any um, you know, Twitter handles or letterboxed handles in the chat so people can follow each other there, that is always fun to do. Um, I don't know if anyone else is as obsessed with letterboxed as I am, but it's a pretty cool movie lovers kind of social and movie logging site. So go ahead and feel free to do that in the chat. Otherwise, Rosalind, thank you so much. Um, you as well, I you should flood my inbox too, because I don't think we have anything planned for you, right? Coming up at Think Christian? 
Not yet, not yet. <laughs> Anything else people should look for in terms of work you've been doing? Uh, you mentioned the podcast, so that's something people can maybe check out. Yes, we just released the first episode of these uh, of this new season, so you can find it at thefullyouthinstitute.org under the podcast um, tab. Excellent. Well, thank you again. I'm glad you were able to be a part of that. Uh, again, to the rest of you, uh, please do keep an eye out for an email coming out in a little while for our spring session options. And I hope to see most of you then. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. 